Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Are you an alien? I mean, an interterrestrial being type of alien. You can tell me. We can just talk about it. We don't have to tell anybody. Send me a message through the blog. Send me a cryptic message and I'll decode it. Because I love obsessing about treasure. <laughs> so, I'm talking about extraterrestrial beings because the National Intelligence Report on Unidentified Flying Objects was released this week. But there was no report of what ufologists like to call the disclosure. No evidence that there are extraterrestrial beings, but no evidence to say there are not. So the report has been received by Congress and now by the general public with very little fanfare because of the 144 reports of UFOs, I think that's the right number, um, that were analyzed beginning in 2004, 143 of them end up on the flipping the coin block. Whoever wants to think that there's still a chance that these events that were reported are actual beings from another dimension or place can still think so. And those who say, that is absolutely not true, well, they can't say absolutely, but they could say, see, we don't have any evidence that those are aliens My favorite story in the UFO um, annals is the Oumuamua story about this interstellar object that was discovered from the telescope in Hawaii, I think, um, in 2017. And the way that it moves and the way that it spun its rotation, all documented by an astronomer, which then blew up a bunch of people to write, blew up as in, I mean, as in inspired, 
people to argue that this is actually a spacecraft from another place. I like to believe in UFOs. Why does the government not want to disclose anything about it? This is my opinion. If there were evidence, or there was evidence, um, that did provide insight on an actual sighting of a UFO or an alien being, I don't think that the United States government would want us to know about it. And the reasoning behind that, from what I've read, is that they don't feel like people could handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Um, my, I, I guess that's because when you take a country as a whole, and I've read this before, I mean, I don't know if this statistic has changed, but it seems like maybe the United States on average has the IQ of about a seventh grader um, or the intelligence, maybe IQ seems a little too uh, specific, but the intelligence level of a seventh grader um, in our school system, which also says something, but, and so maybe people aren't smart enough to know the truth. In my university classroom, I would have up to, I don't know, 40 students sometimes, because I always let people add my class. I was really a sucker for a sob story. And I didn't mind having the extra faces. I didn't mind having the extra papers. So people would flock to my class and try to add it. Um, but in a classroom, you certainly are not going to have the most intelligent level as an average intelligence level of a classroom, right? There are people on one side of the scale and people on the other side of the scale. And I did not hold back information because of that. What I did was, at the very least, categorize students and try to work with each group, giving them the challenges and the information that they could use and not too much over that unless I felt like they needed to be challenged at a particular skill. So why can't the government do that? I, I guess because it's too large, right? Our country is too large for us to be categorized into groups that could handle certain information and groups that couldn't. But this fuels the argument that I've been having for a long time. And this is a, my opinion, but I feel like we should scrap the government the way it is and start again and start from small going up. So small, many, many states, many cities where people could coagulate and congregate in little groups of like-minded people. And then we allow the diplomats, those who are good at diplomatic relations in each group, 
to then communicate with other groups and find the groups that can make you a little larger and a little larger and a little larger. And that way, I feel like the dissemination of information could be much better handled because the mini-states would be smaller and they would be more like-minded rather than having this big umbrella trying to disseminate information to all these different kinds of people. That's what I would do. The other thing I would do after we have these teeny little mini-states, because eventually these mini-states will start moving into class strata, my suggestion would be to have class rotation. So sometimes you're on the top, and then you rotate and you're on the bottom. And then you rotate and you're in the middle. Just imagine if we could have class rotation in a big experiment like a country. How much more empathetic would we be for people who are in different classes than we are? I think it's a great idea. If you think so too, comment on the blog. Maybe we'll make a movement. My first UFO experience, well, I'm sure it probably was just a trick of the eye, but my dad did buy me a telescope in preparation for the Apollo 11 landing in the summer of 1969. And we did go out in a field across from my house in August that year, and we pointed the telescope up at the moon and I remember looking and I told him, I can see the flag. He laughed and he looked in and he said, I could see it too. So that was what I considered my first UFO experience. But after he died and we moved, and I moved into the nice neighborhood, which you can find out more about if you listen to previous episodes, uh, I had a neighbor. He was named Uncle Charlie by the kids in the neighborhood. And kids flocked to his porch during the day, but also especially at night. Now, the um, demographics of the different families in my neighborhood were diverse. Um, right across the street from me was a very solid family unit a uh, family unit who I believe saved my life. But there were also kids in the neighborhood who didn't have a father, like me, um, who had a working mother, like me. So they, but they had multiple siblings, and my siblings were grown and gone. So I was like an only child. These other families had siblings, and so they would watch each other, um, you know, the 11-year-old would be babysitting the 8-year-old and the 5-year-old. Not the best situation, I'm sure, but... Um, so Uncle Charlie was also kind of like an ad hoc babysitter. 
He was a World War II veteran. He had open heart surgery. Um, it seemed like right before I moved to this neighborhood because I remember that his scar was still very fresh. He always sat on his porch drinking beer without a shirt on. Um, I'm thinking mostly in the summer. I don't remember if he sat out there in the winter, but kids loved him. Not only would he tell them stories when uh, you sat on his porch, he would sometimes let the kids go down into the his cellar and shoot a BB gun. And so he was kind of controversial in that way, but nobody told on Uncle Charlie. Um, he did become a curmudgeon when he was older. But the time I'm talking about him now, I was 10. He was probably, I don't know, 60. And I was able to stay out later than almost anyone in my neighborhood. The family that I was talking about earlier with the siblings that were babysitting each other, their mother would usually come home and call them in before my mother ever called me in. So there were times when it was just me and Uncle Charlie sitting on the stoop. I remember I would go over there again and again and again late at night. And one of the things that all the kids looked forward to with Uncle Charlie besides stories uh, was looking for UFOs. And I'm telling you, this group of kids in this neighborhood in Austintown, Ohio, saw quite a few things in the sky. I don't think there were that many satellites up in the sky in 1971. I, but I could be wrong, but we saw many a moving object in the sky. I also know, though, from reading Cosmos magazine and Discover magazine, that the sky in 1970 in semi-rural Ohio was much clearer than it is today. So if we were seeing UFOs, and we would go, oh, look, and we would be able to explain to each other or point in the sky and see what we were seeing together. Um, if those were UFOs, we probably can't see them anymore for pollution, which is sad in itself. The reason I had to stop hanging out with Charlie was because he talked about the gooks. And I would come home and tell my mom about the gooks. And she thought, well, that's not a good thing for a guy to be talking about with young people. So maybe you shouldn't go over there so much. One of the few restrictions put on me as a child. Then when I grew up, uh, Charlie had become kind of a curmudgeon. But we all did see something in the sky those summer nights of 71, 72, 70. Why don't we try to be more open-minded about these things? That's what I want to know. Why do we have to be so black and white in all of our diagnoses of things unknown. I mean, I guess the report that came out wanted to be definitive, and that's why everybody's all, you know, 
disappointed in the results because it doesn't give definitive proof one way or another. Why can't we just figure out patterns instead, nuances, right? Looking for more nuanced possibilities. Maybe not all of this, but some of this. Maybe it's not something that we can define, but do we always have to discuss things via definition? We already know that language is not sufficient, which is why we have art, right? To communicate with us in different ways than language. I wish that we did that more with science, kept our, our brains a little more open. But I think we do that as a society, too. We need to study things more before we make these knee-jerk, whiplash, pendulum swing changes. That seems to be happening a lot, right? We go, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, black, white, black, white, or white, black, white, black, however you look at it. I think I'd like to talk about one other kind of UFO. Unidentified foreign object. So this gets into a talk about dentists. I'm just going to rail for a minute or two. I don't like dentists. I've rarely trusted dentists and the one dentist that I actually got to trust had to retire right after I got to that place. Anyway, I have crappy teeth and a lot of that is genetic. And I had implants put into my mouth and my last implant popped out of my jaw the other day. And my partner said to me, it is very clear that your body rejects zombie material. <laughs> it was funny. But it was an unidentified foreign object that my body will not take in as its own. I think this is a good thing. And there's some nuance involved there, too, because... The implant worked for quite a while. But it fell out. I always feel like no matter how good a dentist is, because they're a business, they have to always look for something to sell. Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, please explain to me how I'm wrong. Am I looking at this and too much of a black and white scenario? If that's true, is it possible that we all have certain situations, certain circumstances that we see 
in black and white framing? Maybe that's the case. Maybe I need to start thinking about the gray and open my mind about dentists. I thought Charlie was kind of a good father substitute. Back to Charlie. He did have this wonderful ghost story. I'm going to end with it. He told me this story when we were sitting on his porch when it was just after dinner. He said, I went to the cemetery today to clean up my parents' graves. They have pictures on their graves, he said. And when I was there, it started to pour down rain. So it was kind of a losing battle. But I tried my best to wash it off, wash off the mud that had splashed up. And then I got up and I saw a piece of paper on the grave. And I picked it up and it was from Kmart, he said. And it said, thank you for visiting. Come again. He thought it was a, an interesting coincidence. He stuffed it in his pocket. He came home, he said. He walked into the house and his wife said, Charlie, take your shoes off. They're covered with mud. He did so, and then he thought about that piece of paper, and he pulled it out, and he realized, even though it had been in the pouring rain, it was completely dry. The next day, he said, he got a letter in the mail with no return address, and it was typed. And he opened it up, and inside was just one little slip of paper with a Bible verse on it. He got out his Bible, looked up the verse, and it said, Be not afraid of the dead. I thought it was a cool little story. Do you believe in UFOs? Are you a fan of Oumuamua? Do you dislike Dennis too? Do you want to join my crappy teeth? group, any of these today would work. Write it up on the blog. Thank you for listening. Hanging on. I think this is episode 21. We're going somewhere. Out into the yonder. Not sure where we're going to land eventually, but I am having fun on this journey with you and isn't that what life is all about have a great day or night listeners friends until next time keep thinking she's got no lessons Professor forever Professor forever